Hi guys, Caroline Stephen, financial journalist. Welcome to the final episode of Talking Trading for 2017. This year we saw an array of many world-class guests on the show, from Wall Street legends to surfing legends, from Everest climbers to CEOs. And the one thing that all these people had in common is success. Talking Trading has drawn together the essence of success from all our guests. Today we take a look at the highlights of Talking Trading for 2017. First off, Louise Bedford. I'm eight years old. My grandmother is clearly distressed. She's gripping onto my shoulders a bit too tightly. With a wild look in her eyes, she tells me, always be the one to make money, Louise. She who makes the gold makes the rules. Fast forward. I'm 12 years old, watching my mother shiver in the winter chill, knowing she doesn't have the money to buy a decent coat for herself. She bought one for me instead. I'm 14 years old, standing beside Mum as she sews my first bra on her sewing machine because Target bras are so expensive. I'm 17 years old on my first sophisticated date. We drove there in his MG convertible. He doesn't even look at the prices on the menu when he orders. I'm 20 years old. I leave home, start my first business and put on my very first trade. This is who I am. This is my money story. What did your early lessons about money teach you? I can tell you one thing for sure, that unless you overcome your early programming, you'll struggle making the dollars that you deserve in the markets. You will be the same person five years from now, except for the things you listen to, like this podcast, the books you read, and the people that you associate with. Your inputs now determine your outcomes for your future. So don't take this podcast for granted. Keep listening every single week so that you can live your trader's life. World champion surfer Lane Beachley on winning. Well, the first one obviously holds a very special place in my heart because I'd been announcing to the world since I was eight years old that I was going to become a world champion. So to substantiate that claim and fulfill my, my greatest Ambition to become a world champion at the age of 26 was incredibly fulfilling. And then life got a little bit more challenging. It got a bit more difficult as I, I put unrealistic expectations on myself. So it wasn't until my seventh one did I truly recognize that it can be done a different way, that it can, that, that success can be binary. And, and I, up until that point, I'd been just really hard on myself, hard on my competitors. Just been really. Uh, I, I was quoted as having the compassion of a tiger shark, and um, I was just really. I was very fierce. So my seventh one holds a very special place in my heart because I did it through ease, grace, and gratitude, as opposed to fear. Motivational speaker Paul McGee. You are absolutely going to love this third one. You know, it's probably one of the most important ones that I talk about. And it's the one that is often really overlooked. Do you know know what it is? Create curiosity. 
get people intrigued. Draw them in. Tell them something they don't know. Paraplegic and wheelchair athlete, John McLean. You can see how people are trapped. My example, you might say that guy is bitter and twisted because a truck hit him back in 1988. And if my language supported that, I would be living in 1988. Point being, I, I choose now to live in the moment and make the most of the opportunities. So therefore, for all of us, if we're able to learn to let go of the past yesterday, don't drag it into today. Like Let it go. Let the truck moments go to allow you to explore potential, which means it's unlocking all the things that you've ever wanted to do. It's time to go and do them. Mountaineer Patrick Hollingworth on climbing Everest. And then from there, you continue up the Lhotse face and you top out onto the South Coal, which is where Camp 4 is. And then you launch your final summit push. The most... The, the best, the most enjoyable part of the climbing is above Camp 4 because that's when you break out onto the summit ridge and, you know, you've got drops of about three kilometres on either side of the ridge and you're literally looking down on the rest of the world and it's quite an amazing, it's, it's an incredibly beautiful sight to behold and to watch the sun rise from that altitude is, it's a spiritual moment I think you could describe it as. It's stunningly beautiful. And there was a time where you saw a light turn on and it was a Tibetan farmer and you thought... Yeah, I remember thinking, wow, I could see somebody, presumably they were getting up, you know, for their day's work in Tibet and I remember thinking, that would have been at least four kilometres below me and thinking, wow, isn't that crazy? But I almost felt like I could, could almost reach out and touch them. It was such a strange feeling and I just felt it sounds really weird but I felt very connected to fellow humans at that point in time just from witnessing this amazing beauty and thinking wow we live in on such a stunningly beautiful earth and what a privilege it was to be able to see that. Behavioural finance professor Terence O'Dean Men tend to be more overconfident than women, and this is particularly strong in certain areas, things that in our society might be viewed as in the male domain, uh, hard sciences like the mathematical sciences and areas such as uh, things such as finance. We separated out our investors for a little over 30,000 investors. We knew the gender of the investor who had opened up an account. And we looked at our prediction was men would be trading more than women. And we found that that was true. Men traded about 45% more actively than women. 45%? Yes. And single men traded 67% more actively than single women. Some people have commented that perhaps single men just don't have enough to do with their time. And then we looked at the effect of trading on people's returns. Both men and women, on average, did worse than buy and hold. Men underperformed by one percentage point more a year than women, single men by 1.4 percentage points. Motivational speaker, Ben Harvey. Because when we start to list right, we produce a substance in our brain that insulates brand new thought processes. And everyone in their brain has... um, like roads, we could just imagine roads in the city. We've all got roads that we drive down regularly, and those roads drive us to destinations that we may not 
potentially like right now. If we want to end up at a different destination, we have to create different roads inside our mind. And nobody's going to create the roads for us. That's the unfortunate thing. We don't have any special matrix pill that we can eat and all of a sudden the roads are there. So if the people listening in want to end up in financial freedom town, they've got to create roads to financial freedom town. And list writing, the repetition of answering the question, even if the answers are exactly the same, just list writing and writing things out on a piece of paper produces a substance known as myelin. And myelin is what insulates the roads that we want to start to travel down. And so if we start to myelinate brand new neural networks in our brain by list writing every single night, within under 30 days, we'll have a whole brand new map, brand new roads, and we'll end up in brand new destinations. Author of Market Wizards, Jack Schwager on Discipline. One question I would always ask everyone is, okay, so what makes you different? And and the most common answer was was discipline. And actually, a few of the managers I tra- I interviewed were ex-Marines. That's probably not an accident. And the reason is, whatever your approach is, you know, we talked art and science, fundamentals, technical, whatever. No matter what it is, you've got to have a specific approach that has an edge. And then you must have the discipline to, to, to execute it. And you must have the discipline to use good risk management because without that, it's just a matter of time before you get knocked out of the market. So it all comes down to discipline. And if you talk to traders and if you talk to them about uh, when they lost discipline, they did something wrong, I said it backwards, when they did something wrong will almost invariably be something that is, is a failure of discipline. That is kind of an essential trait. If you don't have self-discipline, there's no way you could be a good trader. Chris Tate on short-term trading. The fewer Fs I give, the more money I make. I actually have a T-shirt that says that. Uh, I'm actually thinking of getting mugs built um, which have that on it and given to everyone I know. It comes about from the notion that if I don't care about the result of any given trade, then I'm free from any encumbrance emotionally that that trade has. So if I have a position that's been very, very profitable, comes back and hits my stop at break even, I'm not concerned about that because I know there'll be another one. Janine Alice, CEO of Boost Juice on Leadership. At the end of the day, I believe there's two types of people out there. We can all move into both categories. Um, you can either you can be a verb or you can soar. And the people that really do uh, are successful and you can even hear how they talk and how they communicate and how they hold themselves, they're the ones that soar. They're the ones that, you know, it's all about solutions. Uh, it's about uh, taking ownership about everything they do. It's about accountability and being responsible for the outcome. The other ones are the verbs. They're the ones that it's victim. It's never their fault. They're always a result of bad decisions or, you know, it's always, you know, it's never their fault. They're entitled. Uh, they need to be rescued. You know, they can't find the answers. They've always got to find other people to try and help them out. They don't even bother to really try and fo- to try and find the answers. And they do the blame game. But it's the ones that are sores, the ones that are comfortable in their skin and prepared to actually make the hard decisions and also be be proud when they fuck they stuff up. <laughs> So, you know, it's, so it's, they're the ones when, you know, I, I admire enormously people coming into my office and going, you know, I have just really stuffed up and um, this is what's happened, but this is what I'm doing about it. Fortune 500 US entrepreneur Ali Brown on the differences in psyche between Australian and American women. 
most of the questions from the women, and this is just my experience, okay, I don't want to generalize, but most of the questions I get from the women in Australia are on, it's the fear, it's the stepping up, it's the tall poppy syndrome, it's it's all that stuff. It's almost like there's an extra layer that has to be maneuvered through to break free. Um, and, and versus, uh, believe me, American women have their own neuroses and some of them are worse, you know, but... <laughs> Um, but I did. It did stand out to me pretty prominently, and and I don't know where that comes from in the history. Um, I'm sure there's some interesting theories if you get into just the evolution of Australia and maybe why that is. But I saw the same thing in the UK, by the way. Actually, I think it's. I think there's even more another layer in the or the UK. I think there's maybe two layers there to work through versus Australia. Um, but th- we, women in general, we're wired the same way. You know, we're we're, we're going to have to work through this. But I just see varying levels from country to country. The freedom trader Terry Tran. I'm originally from. I was born in Vietnam, so that's my motherland. Uh, I came here because of the Vietnam War. So way back, we were the original boat people. So we basically came by a wooden tug, <laughs> which a lot of people don't know because. My English is quite good because I was here when I was two. So I I learned English from all the Aussies, so to speak. Wall Street legend, Victor Sperandio. The world debt is, if you Googled it, is $217 trillion. It's expanding at 12.5% a year since 1971, since we went off the gold standard. So the end game, even though you'll see probably a recession first, or, or a depression, is hyperinflation is the end game. That's the end. That's where the governments throw in the towel and start printing money and people don't want the paper because it's just paper. It doesn't have any meaning or value other than what it says on the, on the top of the bill. So that's the first major mistake people make. <clears throat> and then the second one is, because the, the central banks have been so dominant and have pushed the envelope, as they say, they've overdone it. There isn't a price in the world, not one price, that's honest. You don't know what the prices of things are. You own a home. You think you, you, know, you paid 500000 for it if you live in New York somewhere. And it, it, it might be worth 100000 or it might be worth in paper money that will be devalued, it might be worth $5 million, but it's not worth 500000 That's a That's a mirage based on the manipulation of the central banks throughout the world. But if you took from the bottom in 09 and you put forth the four or five major central banks, including the Bank of China, uh, ECB, Fed, Bank of Japan and and um, and Bank of England, you you overlay that to the QE and the buying of of uh, providing of credit that they offered, you'd see an identical line over line with the S and P five hundred. It's picture perfect. It is picture perfect. Macro heavyweight Greg Weldon. The Bitcoin, because frankly. I'm not saying Bitcoin couldn't go to 100,000. I mean, it very well could, and it very well might. And the more energy it takes to create a Bitcoin, that means the less Bitcoins are being created, and you have increasing demand. It's a simple supply and demand fundamental. Okay, it doesn't matter that you know one day you'll turn around, okay, and probably without much notice, and it'll be worth zero. So 
if you think you know that the global powers that be, that monetary officialdom around the world are going to allow currency, transactional currency, to be created out of thin air, that threatens you know the entire monetary system that they take such great pains to protect. You think they're not going to come after Bitcoin? You're crazy. I've been around 30 years. I'm telling you, you're going to come after Bitcoin. So you're going to have to be really nimble to get out. So it's not, it's being, not going to be a substitute for gold or silver as true money. No, never. And here's the reason. It has nothing to do with Bitcoin or technology or governments or anything else. It has to do with one very simple, non-debatable fact. It's electronic. If you have no electricity, you have no Bitcoin. Case closed. So in a lot of scenarios where you want to talk about pure store of value in the kind of the doomsday prepper scenarios that gold bugs right now, absolutely not. In terms of the question, no way, because you can't use something electronic when there's no electricity to barter for food or gas. Now, is that an extreme case? Absolutely. But guess what? That's why gold's been around for thousands of years. It's created in a supernova. It's one of the most rare. It's one of the rarest elements in the universe, okay? Bitcoin doesn't even compare on so many levels. A special thank you to all the mentorees who were brave and willing enough to share their trading story on Talking Trading. They are Con Brachinus, Adam Talbot, Sally-Ann Lehman, and Matty White. Have a wonderful Christmas, everybody. I hope Santa is kind and that you enjoy your time with friends and family. I'm having an easy Christmas this year by the harbour in Sydney with family. I hope that everyone comes back feeling relaxed and refreshed and ready for another year's trading. Talking Trading will resume on the 31st of January. I'm Caroline Stephen. Have a wonderful Christmas. Have a happy new year. We'll see you in 2018. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation. Want to know the hottest sectors in the Aussie market? Now's your chance. Download my free Hot or Not special report from tradinggame.com.au slash hot or not. That website again, tradinggame.com.au slash hot or not.